A friend of mine's son uh, is a very, actually a, a, a very incredible athlete, but when he was a sophomore in high school, he decided to go out for wrestling beyond football and some of the other things he did track. And so what happened is he's a, he's a big guy, uh, never had wrestled before. If you've ever watched wrestling, it's a grueling sport and an awesome sport. Uh, but I mean, you could get hurt in wrestling. I mean, people get wiped out pretty bad. And so he is, he's, he's a big guy, which means he's going to go against big big heavyweights, and uh, what happens is the, the, the season, uh, the second match of the season, they're going up against a rival in Diamond Bar High, and so they really, really want to win this, and just before uh, it's time for the match to take place, their heavyweight gets the flu and can't wrestle, and the coach goes to him about an hour before the match and says to my friend's son, he said, I, I, I need you to go out and wrestle against this guy. And it's going to be tight. And I, I know you're new. I, I know this guy's amazing. As a matter of fact, he was CIF champ last year. I, I know he demolishes people, but you're tough. He goes, oh, I could do it. He goes, all I need you to do, all I need you to do is you go against the senior who's incredible at wrestling. I just to make sure you don't get pinned. We need the points. And so what happens is the night goes on and, and it literally comes down to they're, they're almost, I mean, they're within one or two points of each other. And the idea is if he can just hang in there, uh, they're not going to be demolished by Diamond Bar High. And so his dad is thinking, I can't believe it. He's actually kind of mad at the coach for putting him in this position. I mean, he's brand new at this. Even though his son is strong, I mean, he doesn't have the ability to go against a guy like this. He's clearly outclassed. And, and so they go into the first period and the gym is packed and they're screaming and screaming and screaming, wanting him not to get pinned. And this, this uh, champ realized is this guy's brand new and he's also young and he goes in man and he is just demolishing him I mean he's hurting him he's hitting him he's doing everything he can to create pain in him <coughs> so he'll flip over and just give up we goes through the first period and he makes it he's not pinned but man he is red he's almost just bruised I mean he's in pain he's got to go out there again now he's uh, on the bottom and boom he gets you know just plastered and, and barely lasts and then they get and now all he's got to do is last this last period He's back down on the bottom. This guy gets on him and drives him into the mat. He is wasting him. He is rubbing his face. He is moving every way he can. He is pushing the arm almost point uh, of dislocating his shoulder. And he's trying to get him over and trying to get him over. So, so not only uh, will their team win, but he'll end up uh, having another pin. And he wants it badly. And the gym is screaming and yelling. And it's packed. And they're going crazy and going crazy and going crazy. And this CIF champ is just about to move him. And he makes a mistake. And my friends son sees it and he wraps his arm around him, spins him over and grabs him and now the place is going nuts this novice wrestler going against a superior guy has got him down and he's scampering around if you've ever seen they start kicking legs and doing everything he can and he's got him and got him and got him and he rolls him over and he pins him and the place goes crazy and screaming and yelling. And my friend's son jumps up. And man, people are wanting to mob him. And he pushes him off. And he's looking around the gym. And he spots his dad. And he's going, dad, dad, dad. And his dad's going, oh, and he's rushing down. And all he could do, pushing people aside, this really happened, is he ran for his father and threw his arms around him. And he's crying. He's crying and they're hugging and hugging and hugging and people are cheering like you can't. I mean, it's like a scene from a movie. And, and in that moment, his dad said, I have never felt more loved. If he had lost that day, he would have loved his son. If he had tied that day, he would have loved his son. When he won that day, 
He was elated with his son. But what meant everything is in a crowded gym with all the distractions and everybody else wanting to hug him and tell him how great he did. There's only one person in that gym that mattered. Not cheerleaders that back the way he was a little bit into. Uh, not, it was his dad. Let me ask you to think, how do you think that dad felt when he's cheering and screaming and all of a sudden it's dad, dad. What do you think happened? By the way, if you haven't caught it, that's called worship. That's worship in its purest, and not a, it's not a wrong form. It's a picture of us in the midst of life looking around and reaching out to God and saying, I love you. And, and he looks and he says, oh, you love me. That's worship. And sometimes I think we get mixed up a little bit. Not that we don't know. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and take for granted you probably do know. But, but I think when we think about it, it becomes incredible. And, and look at what it says in Revelation chapter uh, 4. And, and first let me read the New American in verse 11. It says this. Uh, it says, Worthy are you, our Lord, and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And because of your will, they existed and were created. It's God's will that you exist and you're created. If he's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be honored. It's interesting that the New Living Translation at the very end of the verse says this. For you created everything and it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. Think about that. No parent that I know of, I would say almost no parent, and maybe there's that one exception has a child and wants the worst for him. I don't think there's a whole lot of parents out there, and let me just say this, who had a, uh, a child, uh, uh, and the truth of the matter is, is, is they had wrong motives towards that child. Not very many. And a good parent, a loving parent, when, when they say, we want to have a child, you know what, that, they have dreams, and they have hopes, and they have plans. And they have a child believing that they're going to pour love into that child. And they have a, a dream that child is going to pour back love to them. And, and there probably aren't a whole lot of things in life that matter more when you have relationships like that than when love is returned and love is cared for and love is given. And it just causes your life to be enhanced like you can't believe. Uh, Pam and I, man, I got to tell you, it's, it's, this, there's, life has just never been better. Uh, today I walk into the back room and Jill's back there and, and Liam's laying there and, and he's just three weeks old. He's actually not even supposed to be born. He's, he's, June 1st is his real birthday and, and he's just laying there and I lean over him and I'm going, Liam, Liam, and all of a sudden, you guys, he starts smiling. Now it was probably gas. I mean, he probably doesn't know really. I mean, he's too young. But I just couldn't help it. I'm cheering and I'm believing the smile is for me. And, and it just got me so excited. And, and it just fed the depth. And I thought, and, and you know what? I wasn't there going, what can you do for me? What can you give for me? And, and, and in that moment, it just, man, it got me. Uh, another thing, today's been an amazing day. Uh, uh, two of my friends, my dearest friends said that they're actually going to make an incredible effort to make Crossroads their home church. And man, I'm so excited to have them as a part of us. But, but I had another moment today. Uh, my assistant, Talia, um, had a friend, and this is sad, this isn't the good part of it, uh, who took her life, and they decided to have the funeral on Sunday, and the church is going to rally around the family. And so she was going to that, and she's heartbroken and burdened, and, 
And so uh, as she's sharing this, I said, yeah, you know, I, I understand. So today after second service, I looked at her and said, you can go. And she goes, I, I really can't. And I go, no, 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 it's okay. And she goes, no, I can't go. And I said, why? And she goes, because if I try to take Noah out of this building without him getting to see you, I mean, I, I'll pay. And I said, really? And I thought, cool. <laughs> and, and he's standing here waiting for me today. And when I come over, he leaps into my arms and starts hugging on me. And do you know, maybe, you, I don't know, maybe you don't know, but, but do you understand that that's how God looks at you? When we talk about worship, we're talking about a father who has created you on purpose for pleasure, for joy, for sharing, for experiencing. I mean, that's what God loves to do. And every parent gets amazing joy out of their kids or grandparents out of their grandchildren. Some of the greatest moments of my life were watching my son Tim play basketball. And man, I went out there and I can't tell you the depths of feeling I had. Uh, before that time, I had gone to an incredible number of basketball games and football games and soccer games and baseball games and track meets and gymnastics events and swim tournaments. And man, I had a blast at everyone. Pam and I, man, that was our life. We would hit the car in the afternoon and catch every event we had with a student who was in our ministry was in. And we would film them and cheer for them. And I thought, man, this is awesome. And one day Tim's going to be like this. But when Tim started in, something changed. As much as I loved everybody else, something was different. Because when Tim went out on the basketball court, the other team instantly became evil. The referee was always wrong. And I found myself being one of those parents, you know, what are you thinking? You know, and, 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 and why did that happen? Because I was so much in love with that young guy. And uh, as he played, if he told me, Dad, I don't want to play anymore, I would have cheered him on and go, go do what you have a passion for. But he had a passion for that. And uh, man, I, I'll tell you what, for four years, we just were in heaven watching him and rejoicing in him and seeing this occur. And, and, and it just got better and better. And, and as a man, I get more joy. Now, now, again, where are we going with this? This is worship. You see, God created you for pleasure. He didn't create you, did you, did you, he didn't create you for pain. Now, he might use pain in your life. He didn't create you to cause grief to him. He didn't create you to be a curse. There's a particular religion that, that believes certain children are cursed childs. God created you on purpose to have this amazing relationship with you. And, and what does he want? He says, I'll tell you what I want. I want you to love me. Matthew 22, verses 37 and 38. I want you to love me. With all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul. He says, this is a great and foremost commandment. But you know what? It, it is a command, but it's something more. It's his greatest heart's desire. God who doesn't really in the end, if you ask, does he need us? Now, I, I want to say this. This may not come out right, so just kind of wrestle through it with me. Do we really need children? I mean, there's a group of people that say the world's overpopulated, so we don't need them for that reason. There isn't anybody here that I know that has children because they're economically going to benefit you, right? Back in the agricultural days, you would have a child, and that child was actually worth, uh, uh, back in the 1800s, they said a child might be worth as much as twenty-five dollars to $50,000 of production to a parent. All of you who are young, you need to understand when you have kids, they're not going to bring money back into the home. I mean, they're really not. 
Last night I'm standing with Tim and we had wrestled through some things that's going to actually save him and Jill $50 a month in their budget. And he said, that is so cool. And I said, yeah, dude, it's a box of diapers. That's all, you know, I mean, I mean and, and, and it's, you spend, so not a whole lot of parents go, I'm going to have kids so they'll make me money. No. Why do we have them? See, maybe in this society we're understanding even better the heart of God. We create them for love. Now, now, you don't create them just selfishly for love, just so they'll love you. As a matter of fact, that would be horrible. A, a parent almost never wants to do they, they create them so they can pour love into them. But they do desire desperately to be loved back. And uh, uh, God, who is the ideal father, that's the kind of heart he has. And so what we need to understand is the greatest calling in our life is to be in this amazing relationship with him. Uh, Paul talks about the fact that that knowing that we want to throw everything about we who we are back to him. In Revelations 12, 1, he goes, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable God, which is your spiritual service of worship. He says, there's nothing that makes more sense than you and I looking at God and going, how can I bless you? How can I throw myself back in you? How can I live a life that causes you to be proud? Uh, all the time I miss my dad. Uh, I, I thought I had missed him before, but man, moving back to Corona, I really do. He was a city inspector here, and the other day I'm driving out on, uh, towards Arbondale, and, and that back area there, that was one of my last, my dad's last areas of inspecting before a disease just robbed him of his ability to function. And, and Pam and I were going the back way, and I drove on that road, and I thought about him. And I really believe with all my heart if he were alive today, he'd be proud. I really do. I, I think he'd look at me and say, Chuck, I'm proud of you. He, he, he told me that a lot. He gave me this, for no reason, he gave me a plaque that talked about it. And um, I think, man, I miss that. And, and you know what? God wants you to be, he wants to be proud of you. I mean, you, you probably don't realize how many times he looks and says, wow, that, that was great. Well done. Well done. That, that's what you were made for. And, and if we want to bless the heart of God, what we do is we live lives that are worthy. See, the word worship literally means worthship. We proclaim back to him, I love you so much. I want to do things that, that you'd be proud of, Lord. Uh, uh, there's a temptation there, and I'm not going to do it. And God goes, I'm so proud of you. Uh, there's a time that someone, it lashes out in anger, and you say no. And he says, I'm well done. There's a time there's somebody in need and you stop and you rush over and help them. And, and here's the point that gets so interesting about all of this is that very often little things matter way more than we know. Jesus said, if you give a cup of water to someone who's even the least, he says, you've done it to me. You've just blessed me more than you know. And so what happens is we see somebody do that and you think, that, they've got it. And see, here's my point. I think you're going to find the more you wrestle through the biggest questions in life, most people don't get it. Uh, I think it's so, I got to be honest, one of the best things about the way our economy is right now is people act like, well, you know, if we make money and we have big houses, then we'll be happy. Well, are we really happy right now? We're seeing, you know, see, here's the point. God's looking at you saying, do you get that when you stop and you care, all of a sudden in that moment, you, he goes, it just makes me so happy and I'm so proud. The, the Lord treasures that.
It's worship in its purest form, and we respond back with him with that. We respond in a way that's incredible. Uh, I've bragged before about my dog. My dog, honestly, is the best dog I think anybody could possibly have. He's a golden lab. The only problem with him is he sheds more than you know. Uh, he, you know yours too. And he dumps his coat. And, and, you know, like today I went to go out in the garage and he decided today was the day to cuddle and I'm wearing black pants and I'm running. And, uh, uh, and, and he's just, but you know what? Again, a couple weeks ago I left the gate open and he's just sitting there waiting for me all day long. He won't leave the yard. I come in and he's wagging his tail. Uh, uh, I got to be honest, uh, when Liam was born, I paid him no attention. So what do you think happened? When I walk in the backyard, he goes, oh, now you want to talk to me, forget you. No, he didn't do that, did he? No, he was just so excited to see me. There's kind of an interesting thing about labs. Every all you who have one know this. A lab almost can't exist if it can't bring you a present. Uh, you know, that, that's especially true in his case. So I have all these toys I buy him, and whenever I walk outside, he's like, ah, ah, and he rushes over and grabs one and comes running to me with it. By the way, who bought the toy? Well, I promise you I did. He didn't go, hey, I'm going to go down to the store and buy my master a toy. You know, he didn't do that. He can't even do it if he chose to. But you know what? I give him these toys, and he thinks it's the coolest thing ever to come and give them back to me. And when I, I say release, and I'm telling him how good he is, he's just going nuts. And, and, and I don't know if we, maybe you have. I, actually, I'm going to say, I'll bet you know this. It is in your spiritual nature to do that back to God. Everybody who's been born again, that's just part of who you are. And, and, and there's something that's so fulfilling to give to God and give back to God and live for God and do it the way we should. And, and, and it's amazing when that happens. So what do we need to do? Well, number one, think about some things you can give to God. How about this one? You can give God your attention. You can give God your attention. You can actually pay attention to him and love him and care for him. Uh, turn over to Isaiah chapter 29 and, and, and look at this with me. Because uh, here's what God is saying. I want you not just to go through rote moments. I don't want you just to throw things out there. I don't want you to, to, to actually not catch us sing songs that you don't mean or say prayers you don't mean or, or not or just go, okay, I read that passage and flip it. He says, I want it to be something amazing and real. And so in Isaiah 29 verse 13, the Lord says this. It says, the Lord said, because this people draws near with their words and honor me with lip service, but they remove their hearts from me and their reverence to me consists of traditions learned by, he says, I wrote, it's meaningless, he says, why would, why would we do that to him? He says, I, I want you to come and mean it. I want you to give attention to what you do. I want you to make it from the heart. That's why Jesus in Matthew 6, 7 said, and when you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose they will be heard for their many words. Uh, uh, he says, I don't want you to do that. I want you to really, really mean it. I want you to focus on me. I want you to give my atten attention. I, I, I want you to do that. And uh, you know what? It blesses God when you do. It blesses God when you're the son looking in the stands and go, there he is. It's you. And, and I get in here and it's for you. And it's not wrong that you love each other in this room. I hope you do. But have you ever found yourself walking in here and the worship starts and you're going... Lord, I give you my, oh, hey, there's someone to you. And, oh, and do you ever do that? I do. I, I'm a little ADD. But I really know someone's done it. And I'm not mean to be judgmental, so let me say this one. I really know someone's done it when they walk up and go, wow, worship was awesome tonight. I'll go, yeah, it was. 
And they go, I got a lot out of it. Really? So who were we focused on in that moment? Well, I got a lot out of it, man. It, well, it's, they did the songs I wanted. Boy, they, it was just for me. Well, well, that's a problem, isn't it? You know, I want you to know when you walk in, we don't go, ooh, tonight's for you. We wanted to pick all the songs for you. We just thought we'd show pictures of you on the screen and have all of us cheer. Wouldn't there be a problem with that? Maybe it's a betrayal of the fact that sometimes we get in here and we get distracted and we think it's about us and, and we think it should be for us and we think that we should like it and, 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 and it shouldn't be that way. We have to have the attitude that says, you know what? We have come to give. Uh, uh, in the Bible, over and over, it says, you shall not appear before the Lord your God empty-handed. As a matter of fact, in the tabernacle, you weren't even allowed to show up that way. Now, why is that? Is it because God has these huge needs? It's, no, it's because it helps us focus. That we walk in and say, I know without a doubt this is for him and about him, and I'm not going to miss it. And, and, and it's kind of like the Labrador who runs up and says, I just want to look at you and focus on you and give to you. And, and in that moment, what's that Labrador saying? He's saying it's in my nature to make sure and focus. That brings us to and I ask you to be in First Chronicles 29. And if you did your reading today, look what it says in verse 14. It says, but who am I, David says. David's talking and he's so amazed at what's going on and how the people have come before God and are so excited about God and, and want to give to God and he's given to God. And then David says, here we are. We've poured out all this to you, Lord. And he says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things are from you. And from your hand, we have given to you. He said, you know what? Everything I just gave, and he goes, man, God called for this to happen, and I gave over and above, and over and above, and over and above to it. And, and, and then he turns to the people, and look back up at verse five, and look in the middle. Uh, and if you have New American, it's right where it says, who then is willing? Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? Who's willing to, to say this day is about God? And then he says in verse 6, And the rulers and the fathers and the households and the princes of the tribes of Israel and the commanders of the thousands and of hundreds and with overseers over the king's work offered willingly. Offered willingly. They came and, and they were so excited about it and couldn't wait to do it. And he says, who's willing? That's interesting to me that the question is, who is willing to say you're set apart for God? And the first thing they do is, okay, what can we give to show? We love him. What can we do in this moment? And, and, and then it goes on to say what they do. And it says, for the service of the house of God, they gave 5,000 talents of, uh, and 10,000 derricks of gold and 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of brass and 100,000 talents of iron. Verse 8 says, whoever possessed precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord in the carriage aisle, the Gershonite. And verse 9, this is the key. Then the people rejoiced. Then the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly. Now how does rejoicing come and worship? Number one, we offer willingly. Nobody makes you do it. It's just like, I can't wait to do this for him. I can't wait to focus on him. I can't wait to give to him. And it says they do it willingly. And then it says, and they made their offering to the Lord. Uh, what made this extra special is they said, and this is all to God. It's all to him. Now, I, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm about to say, so just wrestle again with this through. Should we give to the poor? The answer is yes, we should. Can we bless God by giving to the poor? Yes, we can. But there are certain things we give just to him. 
And, and it's all for him. And when you do that, an amazing joy happens. And, and it's incredible. And then it says this, and they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart. With a whole heart focus. And this is King David rejoiced greatly. Notice that there's three things that happened here. Number one, they offered willingly. Number two, they did it straight to God. And number three, they did it with all their heart. Nothing shifting, no shadow, no distraction. It was a wholehearted, heartfelt, how can I just come and give to him? And, and, and one thing we need to do is say, is our attention focused on him? Are our lives focused on him? Do we come with the great desire just to say we want to have this happen? And that's what God wants us to do. And he needs us to do that. He desires it. So when we have, uh, come before him, it's pouring into him. You see, God gives you his focus and attention. He doesn't take his eye off of you. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite passages of scripture is Psalm 139 verse 1. And it says, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You study me completely. You want to know everything about me. Now, now by the way, again, I'm going to go back, uh, uh, first of all, uh, uh, to the boyfriend kind of thing. Uh, when a guy is incredibly in love with a girl, what does he do? He focuses on her. He wants to know what makes her happy. He, he gets to know her and what thrills her. And he responds accordingly. I had a friend one time, I remember that I was dating Pam, and he's like, dude, what is that in the car? Now, this shows how long ago it was. It was a cassette. I don't know if you know what a cassette is. But, uh, and, and, and it was a cassette of a, a band called Bread. He's going, what are you doing listening to Bread? I go, well, Pam likes it, you know. And so I'm playing Bread, and we're listening, you know, to these Bread songs. And he's going, turn it off. And he's freaked out. He goes, I can't believe it. It would drive me nuts. I go, dude, it kind of grows on you. He goes, no. Pam would get in the car. I'd put the Bread cassette in. She'd look at me. And I'd focus on her. You know, about six months later, he got a girlfriend. I get in his car. What's in your cassette player? Dude, they're really kind of grow on you. And it was bread again. And I think you got to be kidding me, man. You're going to now get Christopher Cross too? You know, and, uh, uh, and, and you know what? It's, it's, it's in those moments, you start shifting. and change. You don't become somebody you're not. But, but you think, well, you know, if this is something they love, then, and, and I'm going to kind of get it. And, and, and all of a sudden, things begin to change. And, and, and why is that? Because you focus differently. You study them. You watch them. You give your attention to them. And then uh, in another setting, switch over with me. Uh, as as a, I'm going to call myself the role, the role, the grandfather, I do that with, with my grandchildren. Man, I'm always looking for what they're into. I'm always ready to make that moment where I can touch their heart in an amazing way. And, and so, you know, you put a lot of effort into that. Uh, Maya just turned one, and, and Pam goes, oh, maybe we'll get her an outfit. I go, we're not going to get her an outfit. I mean, horrible. She'll, she's one years old. She won't even know what's from us. We're going to get her something she's into. So we go walking into the toy store. Man, I know that little girl, and I'm looking, and I know she's kind of athletic, and I know she's kind of spirited. And by the way, I need to tell you this. I, even though I love her to death, she is like a biter. Uh, and what I mean, she has four little teeth, and if you get her mad, she bites you. And it's like, oh, man, you're tough. And so I know she's kind of that way and got that nature. She's just like her mom. And, uh, and so what happened is I found this, like, this water thing, Pam, and I walk up on it. And Pam goes, I think that's what she'd love. And we're like, yeah, she could splash, and she could hit, and she could roughhouse. And, and we got it, and that's, man, she's eating it up. Why did, why did we get it for her? Because, man, we knew her. We studied her. And, and did you hear what it just said in Psalm 139, verse 1? It says, God studies you. You might say, well, wait a minute. God knows everything, doesn't he? Does God need to study you? No. Why does he watch you that closely? 
Why does he observe you that much? Why does he get your, why, why do you get his attention? Well, it's, it comes down to this amazing love and pleasure he takes in you. When you're living your life correctly, especially, verse 2 says, you know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. And then I love this. Listen to this. You scrutinize my path. You don't just observe it. You watch it carefully. You want to know what's going to happen in it. You want to know where the pitfalls are, where you could get hurt, where you could stumble. You, you watch ahead for me, Lord. You search out what's going about to happen. You scrutinize it. He says, and you are in, you, you're in my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Are intimately acquainted with. Think about that. God is intimately acquainted with all your ways. Even before there's a word on your tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all. Um, worship is when we give that same attention back to God. Same attention back to God. Standing here today, a lot of us got a chance to observe something not everybody does. I think, without a doubt, if I were to ask where's the most amazing place on this campus, to me, it's pretty easy to say it's that room right there. And uh, uh, the, the, the things that happen in that room, the lives that are changed, what occurs, it just is like incredible. Uh, and today, we saw a, literally a spiritual earthquake occur as people's lives were transformed and people came to know Christ and and amazing things were happening. And, and you know one reason I get so excited about that room? The Bible says if even one person comes, that it says the angels in heaven rejoice with almost this unceasing joy. What is it that causes the angels to cheer and scream and touches the heart of God when that one person, and, and God's pleasure. And so I walk in there and I look around, and you, many of you do too, and we go, God, God is loving this. He's loving it. And, and, and we get so excited because we know what touches his heart. We know what gets to him. We know what moves in him. And that's God's great desire. Um, we've got to be careful not to be distracted then. We've got to watch for his hand. We've got to seek what he's about to do. Uh, uh, and, and interestingly, the message version of the Bible has a very interesting way of translating Romans 12 too. It says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, now listen to this, instead fix your attention on God. Don't be so well adjusted in this culture that you miss him. Don't be so caught up in the moment you don't see it coming, you don't see it happening. Don't miss God. Don't, don't miss him. It says fix your attention on God. And it says you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. How does all this happen? Well, I think the message probably nailed pretty well with that saying, fix your attention on him. The more you focus, the more you watch, the more you're waiting for what he's about to do, the more incredible your life becomes. And worship takes place as you give God your attention. Now to do that, we need to tune in to him. Uh, it's incredibly important that we tune in. And, and to tune in, you've got to, to, to stop and focus and, and, and kind of dial him in some. How do we do that? How do we make sure we're tuned in? By being in the word of God every single day. He is blessed when you do. It changes you. It changes your mind. I've had some amazing emails recently. Good, good questions. 
But I'll tell you what's interesting, and, and let me go ahead and throw this out here. This really may throw a few of you, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. We've been reading in the Old Testament some pretty harsh sections of Scripture. Go and destroy that nation. Go and kill that. And you go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That doesn't sound like God. Well, I want to say there's context to it. And that's what I've been trying to share with people because it's a great question. We're going, what? what? That just doesn't sound like God. And I'm saying, we got to catch the context of it. See, God is a loving God, but God judges. And you don't want to act like this. Some people think, well, there's this God of the Old Testament, and he was harsh, and there's the God of the New Testament. He's like Barney. And, uh, you know, no, no, no. There's not, you realize there's not two gods. Does everyone know that? Now, here's the point. The God who judges and the God who loves are the same God. Why do we see the carnage take place? Why do we see the, and, and it comes out of Genesis 15 where Abraham is told, I, I'm going to cause the children of Israel to live in the land of Egypt for 400 years until the iniquity of the Amorites is complete. Now what is he saying? He's saying, I cannot have your, your, the children of Israel go to the promised land and take it until the people there deserve to be judged. Now, now, that's what he's saying. They have to deserve to be judged. Now, what did they do to deserve judgment? The, they did many things, but the number one thing they did was child sacrifice. They, they were killing children in the name of a false god. And they were torturing people and su subjecting people to horrible lifestyles. They weren't caring for the poor. Uh, uh, and, and so children are dying. And God says when a society reaches that point, I'm right to judge. And, and here's where I'm going. This is what I want you to wrestle through. When you and I read that, we go, oh, I don't know. Is it because we've been so well formed by our culture that we've missed who God is? And see, I tell you what I haven't done. I, I want everyone to catch the context, but I'm not going to explain a way that God judges. That's God. And, and, and a lot of people go, well, let's, let's just don't mention hell because that means really, you know, but that's God. And when we tune in correctly, we begin to see him for who he is and love him for who he is. Now, now is everyone going to do that? No. No, but we got to understand, he's not up for a vote. He's not going, you know, that thing about judging nations, you don't like, okay, I won't do it. He doesn't do that, does he? Quick side note. Can you think of a nation that's exterminating 4,000 of its children a day and not caring for the poor? And, and if we tuned in to say, God, watch out for a country like this, please. And the Lord says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, I'll, I'll heal the land. And maybe we haven't tuned into him to enough to cry out and say, God, there's a land that, that exalts pornography and offensive lifestyles and kills children and doesn't care for the poor. And we haven't tuned in enough to say, please, because we, we decide we have our own view. And the culture has so well defined us. And people are like, don't talk about that. And by the way, there's a movement in churches today that says, let's kind of edit scripture so, so nobody gets offended at God anymore. And uh, I, I, I want to say this without trying to sound harsh. The God of the Bible is pretty offensive in a culture like ours. Because he's offended by it. He's offended by it. And, uh, uh, and, and when we... Start reading scripture. What I'm watching in a good way is I'm watching people at Crossroads tune into who God truly is. Is he a God of love? Without a doubt. Is he a God of grace? Yes. Does he crave the best for you? Yes, he does. Will he judge? Yes, he will.
Will he judge in a way that is sometimes hard and strong and, and omnipotent? You bet. And uh, we don't want to miss that. We want to tune into who he truly is. And we give him our attention and fix our minds on him. We begin to see a culture that we're going to battle. I think one of the biggest reasons I love being in the word of God every day is it shows me how much I struggle because I'm molded into the world's mold. How, how much it, it happens to me. And as I read, I'm like, whoa, I'm a little surprised, God, that I'm reacting to that because I know who you are and I know what you do and I know how you love and I know how you care and I know that we're in the last days and, and, I, and God, I, I get so caught up and, and miss these things and, and, and so by fixing my attention on him, I, I start to tune into what's real, what's true and what matters. And, and worship, worship is about fixing our attention on God. There's lots of ways to do it. We can do it in a quiet time in the morning. And God says, I'm, I'm worshiped by that. You can do it uh, uh, in times of praise. And I think that's one of my favorite ways in many people's at some of yours too. You do it when you come in and you're just, oh, and it's all about him and what blesses him. You, you can do it when you go and you, you care for somebody. And, and, and so maybe it's a neighbor next door and you go show love to them and, and it worships God. You can do it when you just are in a fellowship of believers saying, let's get together and encourage one another to go on and to really live for him and be the, the person God and, and, and God's worshiped in that. We can do it when we're sharing our faith and, and, and people are, are either responding or maybe they're not, but you're doing it because you love God and, and, and that worships him. And see, the worship of God is fixing our attention on him and, and what he would be blessed in the moment and in all the distraction and all the cheering and everything that happenings it's really a lot like a guy looking to the stands and saying there he is you God you you are the one I love you're the one I want to touch right now I love the other people too but right now boy that's that's worship and uh next week we're going to just spend a whole evening praying and worshiping and actually praying is worshiping we're just going to worship through prayer, through uh, uh, singing, and, and just together. We're just going to take a night to do it. And uh, I, I am really hoping that as we do that, we touch his heart more than ever. Now, to do that, you need to be in a relationship with him. So let me stop right now and ask the question, are you in a relationship with the Lord? Would you say that you are so in love with him, so in touch with him, so seeking him, that you're finding yourself being Moved away from a worldly lifestyle. Or do you think, man, sometimes I struggle with this. And if you are struggling with it, let me tell you, he loves you. But he doesn't want you to do it alone. He wants to do it with you. He wants to share it with you. And what you need to do is literally say to him, I want to give my life to you. I want to open up my heart to you. And how do you do that? You do that by saying those words. God, I know Jesus died on the cross for me and I know I need you and I need to be forgiven and I need your love and I need to be in, in, in a relationship. And you say those things. So what we're going to do in a moment, we're going to go to a time of prayer and, and if there's someone here tonight who needs to commit themselves to God and you want to live the life you were meant to live uh, and, and, and touch the heart of God and be touched by him, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead a prayer and let you pray it with me right where you're sitting. Tonight, if you uh, uh, are a Christian, but you're not living in that powerful, intimate way, I also would love to have you pray that prayer with me to come back to recommit to him. To say, I want to have my life more in tune with him. So if, 
During this prayer time, you sense God touching you and calling you. I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting to pray the prayer with me. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, I know you love us. I really do. I'm so amazed by who you are. And I ask right now that we would be a church, a family, a community that blesses you, Lord. We bless you because we give our attention to you. We seek to reach out to you. We give in ways that touch your heart, whether it's energy or time or offerings or, or just love or words of affirmation back to say how much we appreciate you, Lord. But I pray we touch your heart. And I pray right now and ask that your Holy Spirit would come. May you cause your spirit to move in this room. And Father, tonight I pray, if there's someone here, Lord, you love them and they need you. Maybe more than they know. I pray for your spirit to begin to move and touch them now. And I pray it's happening in a way they can't miss, although it's deep. And it's a whisper. But God, they can sense it. And I pray tonight that they would want to pray this prayer. To come to you. To be yours. I want to ask that we keep praying. And if you're right with God, I'd like you to pray for those who need to make this decision. But right now, I'm going to lead a prayer for anybody who wants to commit their life to Christ. Tonight, if you need to make that commitment or recommitment, I'm going to ask you to pray it with me. Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, to heal me of my hurts, to make me alive, to make me new, and to make me yours. And I say, yes, I want this. And I want you. So I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love and fill me with your spirit and help me be who you have always created me to be and to live the life that you've called for me to live. And this I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Wow, praise God for all of you who prayed that prayer tonight.